If you've got a Bible this morning, I'd like for you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1 this morning. Uh, it is Father's Day, and so uh, as Father's Day, we're going to take a break from our Roman series and just charge uh, our, our dads this morning from the Word of God. We're going to take a portion of Scripture and examine it and see how it fits into the lives of those that have the privilege of being called Father. Let me just say this, uh, as Father's Day this year, and I say this every, every time we observe Mother's Day or Father's Day, I'm glad you're here. If you're a father, uh, you have a tremendous blessing to have a, a title that God reserves for himself, God the Father. That's a tremendous blessing. Uh, some of you here, this may be your first Father's Day without your father. My heart goes out to you. It really does. Uh, this may be many, many years that you don't get to celebrate Father's Day with your father, and uh, we certainly pray God's grace and blessing on your life. Uh, we pray that today's an encouragement to you. We really mean that. And, uh, and so, are you guys cool with me not preaching in a coat this morning? I thought about putting that coat on, but I saw the rest of the way y'all were dressed, and I was like, well, forget it. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And so, the rest of you are kicking it in t-shirts and blue jeans, and so, praise the Lord. Huh? You're not sure about it. We got one objection. All right. Mike, I'm going to spare you this morning. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, so this morning, the message is entitled, The Father Factor. And we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 1. And I want to just read the first couple of verses, then I'm going to pray, and we'll get right into the message. And if you're here today, there's sermon notes inside that bulletin, and I encourage you to follow along if you, if you want to uh, fill in the blanks and things like that. Write down something that God shows you today. Uh, Proverbs 1, verse 1. The Bible says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple and to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I pray this morning as your word is opened, your Holy Spirit does the work, Father. We, we need your Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us. We can't understand your word in our human reasoning. The natural man can't receive it. Lord, give us spiritual wisdom this morning. Father, I pray for every man that's in this room and every woman but especially the men, God, that we would grab hold of these truths and become more like Christ in the way we live our life and the way that we father our children and lead our home. And may you be glorified, and we ask it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This week at camp, uh, during camp, uh, our, our daily devotional time was out of the book of Proverbs. And so uh, we got to spend a little bit of time in Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 3, and I knew leading up to, to this week, I mean, I'm gone all week, and I know that I've got to preach on Sunday, and so I'm at, I'm at camp thinking, Lord, you've got to give me something here, uh, because Father's Day is coming up. And, uh, and, and what was interesting to me was the book of Proverbs, I never really viewed it like this. We always look at Proverbs as the book of wisdom, right? Uh, from the wisest man ever, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, to walk on this earth, Solomon. And even in verses 1 to 4, God gives us like a ninefold purpose of the book of Proverbs. I mean, I mean, God gives us the reason that Proverbs is in the Bible. It's so that we can know wisdom and instruction, so we can perceive the words of understanding, so we can receive the instruction of wisdom, we can receive the instruction of justice, we can receive the instruction of judgment, the instruction of equity. It gives us subtlety to the simple, it gives the young man knowledge, and it gives the young man discretion. And so there's nine reasons why the book of Proverbs is in the Bible for us. And again, many times we run to that book as, man, here are the wisdom books, you know, so to speak, of the Bible, Solomon's uh, books of the Bible. But I want you to understand that historically speaking, 
we're talking about Solomon. And we're talking about Solomon, who is a, 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 the son of David. In other words, Solomon had a father, and it was David, the king of Israel. And, and just as much as Solomon had a father, Solomon was also a father. And his son was Rehoboam. And, and, and so Rehoboam was the, the son of Solomon and the grandson of David. And as, as we open the book of Proverbs, what we find is really Solomon addressing these things to his son. As a matter of fact, that phrase, my son, is used 23 times in the book of Proverbs. And as much as there is principles and application of wisdom for our life, for sure, we need to understand that this is a this is a, a writing written from a father to a son with instruction and with warnings. And, 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 and what's interesting, and I need you to turn there because I don't have it on the screen, but, it, but in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 3 to 9, I don't think I have it on the screen. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 3 to 9, Solomon reminds us of his father David, and he reminds us that what he has been taught from his father he is now pouring out to Rehoboam, his son. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 3. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also. And he's talking about David, right? Teaching him. And he said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. And then, he, and then David charges Solomon, get wisdom. Get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. And he's talking about wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. And, and, and so it's interesting to me that the book of Proverbs is not only a book of wisdom, but it's, it's the book of a father to a son who's taking the wisdom from his father that was, that was given to him, and now applying it to his son, which is a great picture of discipleship in this church. We, all, we talk about discipleship all the time. It's a great book on parenting. It, it's a great book of instruction. And again, Rehoboam is the, the son that, that Solomon is aiming this at. If you look at 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse 21, the Bible says, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. The city which the Lord did choose out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Nama and Ammonitus. And so we get the, the historical account of what's happening as we open the book of Proverbs. And so historically, David, Solomon, now Solomon's writing this to his son Rehoboam. But we also know from, from the Bible itself that the Bible is not just a historical document in other words, there's a doctrinal teaching of every portion of Scripture. There's a doctrinal application of every portion of Scripture. And doctrinally speaking, as we get to the book of Proverbs, Solomon is one of the greatest types in the Old Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly reign, during the millennial reign of Christ. Because during Solomon's reign, Israel had rest and peace and quietness all of her days under Solomon's reign. Okay, First Chronicles 22 and verse 9. Again, prophecy concerning Solomon, which also foreshadowed Christ. 
The verse says, Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness unto Israel all his days. And so Solomon for us during his earthly reign is an Old Testament picture or type of the future reign of Jesus Christ during the millennial reign on this earth, ruling over the nation of Israel for a thousand years of peace. And and, and so doctrinally speaking, this book of Proverbs hits us with Christ being on the throne, giving wisdom to all. And that's the point. So doctrinally, it's kingdom wisdom that we find out of the book of Proverbs. It's greater than just principles to live by. It's actually Christ's kingdom wisdom for the millennium. And then inspirationally this morning, and this is where we'll land this morning, it's a great book on parenting. (laughs) You just can't beat it, man. Because again, the, the phrase, my son, is found 23 times in 23 verses in this book of Proverbs. And that tells me that a father needs to have something to say to his children. It tells me that we as fathers had better invest some things into the lives of our children so that they understand what it means to have a right relationship with God. That's what it means. And, and, so, and so as we get into it this morning, again, we, for time's sake, I wish we had an hour and a half. I noticed you didn't pack a lunch, so we don't have that long. But, but this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about four key points that we're going to glean from Proverbs chapter 1 and from Solomon's relationship with Rehoboam. And I want you to pick it up. We could read all the way down, but I want you to to pick it up in verse 8 because this is where the first phrase, my son, is found. Look at verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they, and what the they is the instruction and the law, they shall be an ornament, ornament, there we go, an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. And so when Solomon addresses his son, the first thing that we'll see this morning is a good father instructs his children to wear the right wardrobe, to wear the right wardrobe. And again, historically, we are dealing with Solomon and his relationship with Rehoboam as a son and and Nama as his mother. And when Solomon says, listen, my son, hear the instruction of thy father, He's talking to Rehoboam from himself, and he says, hey, make sure you hear the, the law of your mother, and he's talking about Nama specifically, but again, there's a great picture for us, doctrinally, in Proverbs, listen, you have a father and a mother as a Christian, and let me tell you who your father and mother is as Christians. Doctrinally speaking, every Christian has God as their father, and you need to listen very carefully, you have Jerusalem the new Jerusalem as your mother. And we don't have a lot of time this morning, but I'm going to tell you something. God tells us in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, that as many as received him, as received Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior today, you are the son of God. God is your heavenly father, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God says that he is our father. We are his sons. We are his children in Christ. And then when Paul writes the 
letter to the Galatian churches. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6, he's writing to Christians, and he says, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free. So in other words, there's a Jerusalem on this earth, but there is a Jerusalem that's above. For those of you that are students of the Bible, you know this. It's called New Jerusalem. And Paul says of that Jerusalem, which is above, it is the mother of us all. And if you're a Christian today, you have God as your father and New Jerusalem as your mother. And you say, man, I've never heard that. Well, it doesn't mean it's not true. You need to get in the Bible. Let me tell you who's not your mother. The mother Mary is not your mother. And the Roman Catholic Church is not your mother. It's, it's New Jerusalem. And God the Father is your father. And this mother that is above is able to give you the law. The word of God, because God's word is settled in heaven where the new Jerusalem is. Psalm 119 and verse 89 says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. As a matter of fact, if you see anything other than the new Jerusalem being called the mother of us all, what you're dealing with is an abomination. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 2, the Bible says, I, John, excuse me, Revelation 17 and verse 5 says, upon her forehead was written mystery, Babylon the great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. And I'm just telling you, there's a false religious system that claims to be people's spiritual mother. And that is biblically inaccurate. The only spiritual mother in the Bible that's not New Jerusalem is Revelation 17 and verse 5, and she is the mother of harlots. She is the mysterious Babylonian religion of this world, and we don't have time to dive into that. So doctrinally this morning, we need to understand who our true spiritual father and mother are, and then, and then inspirationally, practically, we need to understand that spiritually we are to father and to mother other people in the faith, because God's given us a picture in our home with a husband and a wife and a father and a mother. God's given us a picture of ministry. That's the picture. Paul used this illustration many, many times in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15 says, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers? For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And so Paul is telling the Corinthians, the issue that you have is not a shortage of information, you need a father. And we talked about this at this church, man. Listen, we live in a culture and a time where the information that we have available to us is overwhelming. And most of us know, listen, most of us do this, man. When we want to understand something about the Bible or we have questions, man, what does God's word say about this, whatever? Man, usually the first place we go to is the place that houses all the information. Go Google. Google? Okay, I just... I wasn't speaking in tongues there. I was just trying to get your attention. We, man, we go to the, to the place that's full of information, and, and we go to instructors, and we pull up a, a popular pastor, a popular teacher, and listen, whatever. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're not right. God, God's Word tells us, and Paul tells us, listen, the issue is not instructors in Christ. What you need is spiritual fathers. You need someone that has begotten you in the gospel to now raise you in the faith of Jesus Christ. So Paul likened himself to a spiritual father to the Corinthians, and then he likened himself to a spiritual mother 
to the Thessalonians. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. It's on the screen. He says, We were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. And so Paul is illustrating ministry is that of a spiritual father and that of a spiritual mother. So here's a key principle in your notes, and you need to get this down. Biblical instruction comes best from a father and a mother. Biblical instruction comes best from a father and from a mother. And I'm telling you right now, that is why the devil is attacking our homes and trying to destroy a biblical definition of a husband and a wife and a mom and a dad. Why? Because the devil knows that the greatest impact and influence in our children's lives is a mother and a father. It's a mother and a father. And don't be so ignorant to not see the cultural satanic attack on our homes. And listen, it goes beyond just our homes because the model of ministry that we are to have in our churches is a discipleship ministry that's not full of classrooms and education, but it's full of spiritual fathers and mothers raising spiritual children and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, and, and don't get me started on how many churches miss the point of biblical discipleship, miss the point of spiritually raising young men, young women, children in the Lord to spiritual maturity. It has to be intentional. You see, when you came home with your kids from the hospital, man, you didn't rejoice the fact they were born and then outsource their raising to somebody else. I hope you didn't. I hope you didn't. But that's what we do in church world. We'll go win some people to Christ and we'll outsource their raising to the internet, to YouTube, to, to Christian books and resources. And sometimes we do that because we haven't put the time in ourselves. You know what forced me to learn to be a parent? Having kids. I'm telling you, man. And we did a little bit of study beforehand, but when we came home with those little girls, man, it was like, we better figure this out. Because they're here. <laughs> they ain't going anywhere. And we had to figure some stuff out. And I'm telling you, as Christians, we had better figure some stuff out. We had better figure out what it means to raise spiritual children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We can't outsource that. And the problem is we are where we are because we've outsourced it. We are where we are. So Solomon is really concerned with Rehoboam. And he says, okay, Rehoboam, here's what I want you to do. You need to hear my instruction, and you need to hear the law of your mother. And if you'll receive that, two things will happen. Number one, it'll be an ornament of grace upon thy head. Now, that's very interesting to me. Solomon is saying, Rehoboam, if you receive this instruction and the word of God into your life, you'll be able to put on the right wardrobe that'll please God. So this ornament of grace goes on your head. Well, what goes on your head? A crown is what goes on your head. So I'll have you go back to Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 to 9. We, we looked at this earlier, but I want to read it again. And pay attention, especially down to verse 9. We didn't get to verse 9 last time. Look at verse 9. Or, or look at all the passage. We'll get to verse 9. Get wisdom, get understanding. For, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. And he's talking about wisdom. 
Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head, listen, an ornament of what? Of grace, and there's a colon there, so God's fixing to explain what that ornament of grace is. He says, it's a crown of glory she shall deliver to thee. And so when you receive God's instruction, when you receive God's law, listen, it, it gives you the right wardrobe. The first thing that you get is a crown of glory, an ornament of grace on your head. And, and we don't have the time, but in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, that crown of glory is a shepherd's crown. 1 Peter 5 and verse 4 says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That crown of glory is an ornament of grace. And God wants every one of his children to have it. But in order to get it, you've got to receive God's words. You've got, you got to receive his instruction. You have to receive his law and live according to those things. And, 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 and let me just make application. This, you receive that crown at the judgment seat of Christ. Or you don't receive that crown at the judgment seat of Christ. Judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment of your sin, but it is a judgment of your service. What you've done with your life since you've been saved. And, and listen, there's an opportunity to earn crowns, to be rewarded crowns. And if you receive God's word and live in those principles, God will give you an ornament of grace on thy head. Or not. The second thing that's offered in Proverbs chapter 1 are chains about thy neck. And again, when you study the Bible, every time you see the mention of chains around someone's neck, it always has to do with rulership. It has to do with authority that's been given. Let me give you a couple of examples. Genesis chapter 41, verses 42 and 3. The Bible says, Pharaoh took off his ring from off his hand. He put it upon Joseph's hand. He arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck and he made him to ride, listen, in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, bow the knee, and he made him, listen, ruler over all the land of Egypt. And so when Joseph had the right wardrobe and he had the chain around his neck, he was made ruler. You see the same thing happening in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 29. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck. And made proclamation concerning him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. You say, what in the world does this have to do with me raising my kids? Well, let me tell you what it has to do with you raising kids. You would never let them walk out of the house in a way that would embarrass you, right? You want them to have clothes on and clean underwear and all that stuff, right? I mean, as a parent, that's important. Make sure your kids got clean underwear on. Make sure they have underwear on and they clean underwear. Okay. <laughs> and listen, and, and we would not want them walking out of the house in a way that would make us look like, you know, bad parents or whatever. But how much emphasis do we put on making sure that our children are clothed with the right spiritual wardrobe? And what I mean by that is, one day God is going to stand and judge every Christian, and they're going to give an account. And that includes your children. So at the judgment seat of Christ, you don't get to give an account for your children. If they're saved, they give an account. But how are you parenting them 
now to ensure that they have the right wardrobe then. You see, because many times as parents, and especially as fathers, we care more about what sports jersey they're wearing, what team colors they're pulling for, what career title they have titled on their diploma, what doctor's coat they're going to wear, or nurse outfit they're going to wear, but we don't take any consideration about what they're going to wear in God's kingdom. And a good father instructs his children with eternity in full perspective. Because whatever they're wearing right now, one day will dissolve. And it'll be gone. And the only thing that'll be left is the way they walked with Christ and pleased Christ and heeded his word. I think as parents, we need to parent like that. I think we need to parent in a way that to know, man, my children is going to stand before Christ. My child will stand before Christ just like I'm going to stand before Christ and give an account. And so number one, a good parent instructs his children to make sure they got the right wardrobe on. Number two, let's go quick. You're not listening fast enough. Number two, a good father instructs his children to heed the right words. To heed the right words. Look at verse 10. The second time that Solomon addresses Rehoboam, he says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down to the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. And, and literally, what you see is a group of people enticing, possibly enticing Solomon's son to pull away and to be a part of something mischievous and detrimental, stealing someone else's substance and spoil and splitting the goods amongst themselves. Robbery, right? Listen, Solomon is not an ignorant parent. He knows that, he knows that sinners are out there. He knows that there's a sinful word out there. And, and, and Solomon understands that enticement comes from words. Now listen, we're all sinners. Romans chapter 3 tells us that. But listen, when you get saved, your battle with sin didn't end. It just began. And there's always going to be, and here's the key in your notes, there's always going to be a battle for the words that you're going to give consent to. I just spent a week at student camp. And I'm telling you, man, the words that entice our children at this age, a little eye-opening for this old guy, a little eye-opening. And I thought I knew some stuff. And now I know some stuff. And, and so listen, as a father, we got to make sure that we're instructing our children to heed the right words, because guess what? You can't shelter them from the words. You can't shelter them. As much as I would like to be a bubble parent, man, and nothing gets inside this bubble, and I'm really good at trying, trust me. I'm really good at trying. The truth is, at some point, something's coming through the bubble. And i got to prepare my kid to respond rightly to those things, to, to heed the right words. And as, as fathers especially, we have to teach our children to hear and to heed the right voice because there's going to be multiple voices competing for them, for their attention, for their commitment, for their choices, for their decisions. 
So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 to 5, again, just, just a, a com- companion passage. 1 Timothy 6, verse 3 says, If any man teach otherwise, consent not to, uh, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing. But doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy and strife and railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. That's what we just read in Proverbs 1. From such, withdraw thyself. You know, the truth is our children are going to learn to heed God's words, or they're going to learn to give heed to the other voices in their life. And that decision, many times, will come from how we parent them. How we as fathers teach them to hear and to heed the right voices. And so, and so fathers especially, man, we have a tremendous privilege. And we have a tremendous opportunity to make sure that when the enticement comes, that our children know how to hear God's word. Some of us adults need to pay attention to that point. Because even as adults, we don't heed God's word. When sinners entice us with words, hey, let's go do this. Okay. You're heeding the wrong voice. And God says, listen, I've given you my word so that it can be an ornament of grace. There can be a chain of gold around your neck. I've given you principles that you can live your life by so that you can live a long life that pleases me. But many times as adults, man, we, we don't even heed God's word. How can we expect our children to heed God's word? And again, man, I'm preaching to me right now. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I need to heed God's word for my own sake and so that my children see an example of someone that can trust God no matter what. Number three, a good father instructs his children to walk the right way. So, so we've looked at a wardrobe. We've looked at words. Number three, a good father instructs his children to walk the right way. Look at verse 15. My son, there it is again, walk not thou in the way with them, with those people that are enticing you with words. Listen, you hear their words, don't give heed to their words, and don't walk with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. Their feet run to evil to make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. So they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that's greedy of gain, which taketh away the life thereof of the owners. And again, these, what, these, what these other people are offering Rehoboam is something simple. Hey, if you want to just come join us, we're going to cash in and, and we're going to split the purse with you. We're going to take what's not ours and we'll distribute it amongst ourselves. In other words... You can get something for nothing. Well, let me just tell you, that's a lie from Satan. You can't get nothing. You can't get something for nothing. It's going to cost you. Even your salvation is free, but it costs somebody something. It's free to you, but it costs Christ everything. It costs Christ everything. And, and, and so here's Solomon's admonition to Rehoboam, just as God would admonish us as our Heavenly Father, he's saying, listen, walk in the right way. So here's the key in your notes. Whatever words you heed to are going to determine the way that you go. The words that you heed to are going to determine the way that you go. Now listen to what I'm about to say, 
and please receive it with grace. I'm going to make a statement twice with a little bit of variation. Statement number one. Sadly, many a son have ended up exactly on the path they were pointed toward. And all of us would say, I know somebody like that. Sadly, that's the case. A son has ended up exactly on the path they were pointed toward. Now listen to it again. Thankfully, many a son have ended up exactly on the path they were pointed toward. The difference between the two is the path. You're going to get where your feet are pointed. And God's telling us as a father, we need to warn our children to heed the right words so that they'll go the right way. Proverbs 2, verses 12 to 15, God says to deliver thee from the way of the evil man. God's given us his word, his wisdom, the words of this book. They are to deliver us from the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the path of uprightness and walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked. They're forward in the paths. And man, listen, we know people like that, man, that have gone down that path. And the reason they've gone down that path is because they heeded the wrong words. But I wonder how many times they headed down that wrong path because they didn't have a voice in their life teaching them to heed God's word. You see, at some point, as, as dads, as fathers, both physically and spiritually, we have to make sure we, we understand the responsibility God's given us. I'm not here to beat you up, man. You know, Father's Day, we always joke about the dads getting beat up. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to tell you, you have the, you have the most influence in your home of anybody that's going to have influence. God's positioned you uniquely to have a spiritual impact for an eternal difference in the lives of your children. And if you need help with that, man, man, don't be so prideful to not ask for help. I told you, man, what, what helped me understand I need to learn how to be a parent was having kids. And then I, I tapped the guys that I knew that were close to me that was like, man, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with this? How do you deal with this? How do you deal with it? I don't know what I'm doing. And spiritually, we need to have enough humility to ask that question too. Man, I need help. You can start by coming to church. <laughs> you can start by getting discipled. You start by connecting with other Christians that are kind of in the same life circumstances as you. How's this? Connect with some people that have already lived through it. You know, some older saints in this church that have learned a thing or six. It'd be worth tapping them for some wisdom. Hey, man, I noticed that you've raised your kids. They all seem to love God, and, and you still have most of your hair. Uh, can I take you to breakfast and ask you some questions, right? Man, but we're so prideful, we don't want to ask for help. We need help, man, because we want our kids to end up on the right path. Okay, so, so listen, a good father instructs for the right wardrobe, to heed the right words, to make sure that his kid walks the right way, and it's okay to warn your children. The end of that road is death and destruction. And I know you don't like me telling you that. And there's some kids in this room that probably need to learn to heed a voice of a mom and dad. To listen to the words of God because they know what's at the end of that road. Because some of them have been down it. And so young people, you won't leave unscathed today either. Here's the last point. And, and here's where 
We want to be different. Up to this point, everything that Solomon has done, we would say, right, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. You're, you're killing it. You're the perfect dad, Solomon. Well, not so much. And here's where we want to break the, the typology in our own life. Here's number four. A good father instructs his children while they watch him. While they watch him. Because we can teach, we can instruct, but the truth is at some point we've got to live it, right? As fathers. And so here's, here's what we see in Solomon's life. Sadly, what we see in the life of Solomon is a failure as a father. But here's what's unique. He wasn't a failure because he didn't know the right things. He knew the right things. He was taught the right things from David. He was taught the right things from God. He had, he had men of God, prophets of God that surrounded him. And he wasn't a failure because he didn't teach the right things. Solomon's failure came because he didn't live the right things in front of his son. You know, all this talk, man, <laughs> this ought to be a warning to every one of us. Solomon is telling Rehoboam, man, there's potential for the right wardrobe. Don't heed the words of sinners that entice you. Don't go down the wrong path. Don't be greedy. Don't think that you can get something for nothing. And yet, man, Solomon fell into greed. He multiplied horses. He multiplied wives. He trusted in his own strength instead of God's strength. And unfortunately, Rehoboam, and if we're not careful, our children, Rehoboam did as his father did rather than following what his father taught. And that's, that's a warning to all of us. And so here's the key. As a father, I must realize that more is caught than is taught in the lives of of my children. Now, we need to teach the right things, for sure. And, and we need to know the right things so that we can teach the right things. But listen, there is something about the applied science of living out your faith in your family's life. And, and, and so listen, I know your blanks are full, but I ain't done yet. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he ascended to the throne. And if you've read the story in Chronicles and Kings and Chronicles, listen, the, the kingdom of Israel was united under Solomon. But because of Rehoboam's poor leadership and because of Rehoboam's own sin against God and forsaking of God's word, the kingdom was split between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam consulted with the young men of the kingdom instead of the old men that served with his father. Again, find an old Christian man that's lived life a minute and ask him some questions. And shut up and listen. You hear me? There's some guys that have been around for a minute that you need to tap into their walk with God. Because they don't just know about God, they know God. They know God personally. Rehoboam had 18 wives, 60 concubines. In other words, he almost identically followed his father's sin instead of following the words that God had given him. 2 Chronicles 11 and verse 21, it's on the screen. Rehoboam, Rehoboam loved Mekah, the daughter of Absalom, above all his wives and his concubines, for he took 18 wives. 
and threescore concubines, 60 concubines, and begot 20 and eight sons and threescore daughters. And the end of Rehoboam's life was a lot like the end of Solomon's life, a life that didn't honor God. Now listen, we, we as dads, man, we, we again have a tremendous opportunity to impact our, our, our homes, our marriages, our children. And God's uniquely positioned us to be that type of influence. And let me just say some things. Some of us grew up in a home where we didn't have that necessarily. We didn't have a dad that was serious about God or the things of God. Many of us may have grew up in a home that, that had a father that provided and loved for us, but taught us nothing of the things of God, and maybe we got saved later in life, and, and maybe we hold resentment against him. Can I just tell you this morning and encourage you, you need to forgive your father. Forgive him. And maybe some of you grew up in a very difficult home, in abusive relationships, and, and listen, your dad was nowhere to be found. Can I just tell you that you can forgive him? Maybe you didn't have a father at all. Maybe it was a single mom. Tony Godfrey stood up last Sunday and said, man, I was raised by my mother because my dad, two weeks after I was born, checked out, never to be seen again. And that's hard, man. And I can't understand to know what that means, but I do know this. There's forgiveness available in Christ. And here's what I also know. Psalm 68 and verse 5 is true. The Bible says that God himself is a father of the fatherless. And a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. And what, I'm, what I want you to understand from the word of God this morning is that if you did not have a father like that, it doesn't mean that you can't be a father like that because you have a heavenly father like that and he is God the father. And he's a perfect father. He is a father even to the fatherless. And so listen, for those of us that may have father issues or daddy issues. Listen, we can't let those things be our continual excuse as to why we can't become the man of God that God intended us to be. And I say that with grace, man. I say that with grace. We can become everything God intended us to be. We can be a man of God just as God designed and positioned us to lead our home in the right way, to lead our children in the right way. So a couple of questions as we close these aren't in your blanks, but, but it's worth mentioning. What will your children be wearing at the judgment seat of Christ? Will your children even be at the judgment seat of Christ? In other words, will they know the gospel that Jesus Christ died for their sin according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures? Listen, will they know the message of the gospel because of the way you parent, because of the way you lead your home. What words will your kid heed to? What words will they learn to heed to? Will you, will you position yourself as a leader in your home to position your kids to hear and to heed God's word? And then number three, which way are your kids going to go? Well, they're going to go whatever direction they're pointed. <laughs> I'm not saying a kid doesn't have a free will. Of course he has a free will. He can make his own choice. That's why 70% of of all kids that graduate high school never come back to church that were involved in church before. Why? Because they have a free will. They have a choice. They have freedom to make their own decisions. Just the same freedom to receive Christ and just the same freedom to follow Christ. But we can get them off to a head start by pointing them in the right direction. We can do what we're, we're gifted and called to do.
to make sure that they know Christ. Amen? Amen. All right.